coughing and clearing his throat there um, it's a special today and it is of course a Jackie McNamara special now before we get into things Jackie I have to ask on behalf of the nation have you recovered from that recent haircut it's coming in back nicely eh? I Getting mean the, the alarm I bells uh, I think that's the encouraging bit that you know as, as short as it was and to the bone it's coming back I'm just showing all my scars off. I hope that's need to get me yeah, because I already had to talk about that to Sid. But, it's, all uh, about, it's all about options. Uh, it's all about options. Well, <laughs> the alarm bells you set off with that Celtic TV appearance, I was just sitting there, you know, and I normally didn't have the phone when watching Celtic TV because, as you probably know yourself, it's always behind yeah. game time. 
and I'm getting all these messages from him. I mean, what the fuck is going on? Somebody's died. And it was like, is Jackie all right? Is Jackie all right? Is Jackie all right? And uh, even Sid was, was blown away with it. But we're here to talk about Jackie and his career and his life. And he has a new book, which will uh, detail all that. Um, now, first of all, I've got a, 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 a question for you from a Donny McNamara. I don't know if he's a relation to yours or whatever. Sounds familiar. He is wanting to know what you have said about him in your book. You'll need, to, uh, you'll need to read it to, to find out. <laughs> so I think he's a wee bit, a wee bit concerned about his, his dancing career. You know, I'd go too much into depth. But <laughs> I actually done a, a wee bit uh, a couple weeks ago with, with Jinky Gilmore. And, uh, I touched on it. You know, I talked about Donnie, but how he got into dancing was obviously because his girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. It was nothing to do with his real passion for being a dancer. Aye. <laughs> he... Um... He told me a different story, which was uh, he had the choice of being a top quality international football player as well, but decided to go down the ballet dancing route. So, yeah, I think the ballet dancing route was more uh, <laughs> more opportunity for me. <laughs> okay, so before we get into kind of the books and details and life and all that, I mean, obviously, right now, um, Celtic supporters around the world are kind of constantly debating what on, earth, what on earth is going on at Celtic. I mean, what's your kind of general take on things now? Um, I'm actually looking the other way. I think that it's taken a good bit longer than obviously everybody would like, but mm-hmm. it's because there's a lot of things to be sorted. You know, I, I think in previous times it's been just the manager, um, you know, that coming in, but there's, there's going to be so much change, I think, this summer. And I think it's important they do get it right. I think we just got to trust that they do it properly and trust the process. Aye. I mean, it's, it is. It's incredibly frustrating. And I don't think results are helping, you know. No, no, they're, they're not. I think, um, again, I think it's hard for, for John to come into that. But, you know, because there's, although Neil's not there, there's no real change. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's still that... All, the uncertainty with the players, who's going to be there next year, what, what the manager's going to be, you know, and I think it's such a, a frustrating but also an uncertain time for, for a lot of people. But as I said, I'm obviously looking at it the other side and think, yeah, they're taking a bit of time here, they're not rushing into anything, they're not just knee jerk reaction to change, get a manager in right now, we'll this in now, director of football, need to. Uh, Recruitment guy in after Hammond's left, you know. So there's a lot, there's a lot, of, a lot of change coming. And you mentioned a lot of roles here, different parts of the structure. I mean, can you see your name in any of them? Or no, I think uh, I think um, that ship had sailed. I, I mean, I've, I think uh, personally, you know, I enjoyed bits of management in there and everything else, and. You know, I was actually watching me clips of that the, the stuff that's coming out with Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, it obviously suffered a uh, an injury similar aye. to myself. Just I was intrigued to, to see about that, how he recovered from that. Um, but I mean, the, and obviously he's talking about his his managerial stuff. You know, with the young players and stuff, and the you know the the joy he must have got from that. Um, so no, there's a lot of things. He obviously took me back to my own little spell that had moaned me, but aye, Definitely. Now, what we're going to try today, Jackie, is trying to ask you as much questions as you've never been asked before, right? Because obviously you get asked the same things over time. And Paul, you want to talk about something straight away? Uh, I was going. To, I was going to ask you. I remember you playing for the 
when we played the Scotland sort of Masters tournament a few years ago, like it was yeah. on the international side, I was just wondering like what is it? What's the competitiveness like at that level? You still wanting to like? Is it when you get in there? You still wanting to like get one over in England, for instance? Is that the big one? Like, is it still, still that same sort of drive when you're when you're playing the tournaments? Aye, we actually we done one before. We done one in Glasgow, but it was one like a year and a half before that, and mm. the O2 in London, and we played England in that. And eh, I don't know if it showed you, but they got a penalty and I smashed the ball off the, the line. <laughs> you know. It's, you're desperate to win, you know. There's tackles flying in and everything else, and you know, uh, one of the games, Christian uh, dislocated his his collarbone. I broke his collarbone. That was him out, and Colin Hendry came into the squad. Um, but as it's competitive, because I don't I think you ever lose that, no matter what you're doing. You know, if it's a a charity game or everything else, you you want to win. You want to. Um, you know, show that pride that you've got in yourself and not make a fool of yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so this book, Jackie, um, now, I, I, I know if we previously talked to you, you were always a wee bit kind of reticent to write a book and, and all that kind of thing. What what, what changed your mind? I think that I've kind of changed a lot after, as I said, they came out. I've been asked a number of times over the years and I always felt there's no point in doing a book when you're still playing because... You know, your career's not finished yet. And obviously, the management side um, was a whole new experience for me. Um, you know, good and bad. I could, could do a whole book in that, to be honest. Um, and I just thought that the right time and kind of what's happened to me. And and I've always kept my counsel, you know, with certain Aye. things over, over the years. And I think people have a perception of you, um, what they're what they read or what they hear or anything else, you know, with contract talks, with stuff from a contract as a manager or, or anything that you're doing. So for me, it was just to put my side across and let people decide for themselves. Yeah. yeah, I think there are definitely things in your life and your career that people have a perception of, which I obviously know are complete bollocks, basically. Um, one of them, obviously, was the way you left Celtic. Where yeah. it was initially sort of seen as this big sort of money grab, and it clearly wasn't. It? Another one, um, and we've seen this this week, was the perception of your time at Dundee United, um, and certain things that went on. Um, but I mean, if you could, I think it would be really good for you to actually just tell us about when you left Celtic and the circumstances around that. You know, you've went into a testimonial. You're about to have another child. Mm-hmm. You want to stay at Celtic. So what happened? No, well, the, my contract was up and Martin was obviously leaving. Um, you know, there was a few that coming out of contract that summer. Myself, Lenny, uh, Bobo and Big John mm-hmm. were sort of the sort of main ones, if you like, they were coming out of contract. And Bobo and John signed new deals. They were linked to him. Bobo was linked to a move, I think, to Millsborough in mm-hmm. the January window. Mm-hmm. Bobo and John signed new deals, like, February, March time. And then, obviously, I had... I felt I had a good season again, mm-hmm. you know, and I wanted a, a two-year, even the year before when I was player of the year in Scotland, that come 29-year-old, when I won the sports writers and the players player of the year at Celtic, I asked for a three-year and they gave me a one-year um, and cut certain things and, and my contract, obviously the testimonial was was uh, part of the contract, mm-hmm. well, not part of it, but I was getting a, the 10th year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got my head down and worked hard and 
I never, to be honest, never, I never see myself leaving. Um, uh, even obviously when Martin uh, announced that he was leaving, uh, like sort of to us the week before uh, the cup final after we'd lost the league, mm-hmm. told a, told a, f- a few was in his office and and said that he wanted to kind of build a team around. Or t- sorry, he told Gordon these are the guys that you can you know rely on, and um, it was fibers and. I think it was me and me and Lenny were the only ones that were coming out of contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so Martin left. I had my testimonial and everything else. I'd met up with Scotland squad, finished there, and then you know I got their, their first offer, which you know wasn't great. Um, I wasn't quite happy about it, and I would set up another meeting. I met Gordon myself uh, when I went to meet him in the office at Celtic Park. It was you know he started asking about other players that they were targeting and. He didn't really, and I said, well, about myself, you know, and she said, oh, it's the first offer, Jackie, you know, it'll get sorted, blah, blah, blah. Um, so then we had another meeting, this is going into like the, the second week in June, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as a club captain, I thought, you know, that should have been tied up mm-hmm. even before Gordon came in, to be honest, but, um, and then the, they cancelled the meeting. Because he was in Poland, I think, sending Zerarski. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I, again, I hadn't touted, you know, asked my agent to put me anywhere or spoke to any of the clubs. But while I was playing with Scotland, Glenn Hoddle had showed an interest uh, and spoke to Dan about going to Wolves. And that was the first time that, you know, I had any interest. Cause I never touted myself or, or asked him to put me about. And Glenn Hoddle had previously been in for you, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, he told me that. I but he, again, that was. I think that was in a spell under Martin where I wasn't a, a regular. We mm. played at White Hart Lane, aye, um, aye. and I had a good match. And he said he inquired about me at the time, and Martin said I wasn't uh, allowed to go or for sale. Mm. But I didn't know about it obviously until later. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, uh, yeah. So I put a. I spoke to 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 Glenn. I think uh, on the thirteenth of June. Mm-hmm. Um, I could sell to get the time to sort it. This is what this is what I'm looking for. To you, the old there. Um, if it's there, I'll, I'll sort it. If it's not, then you know I'll go and uh, speak to Glenn and sign for Wolves the next day. Which Celtics came back and said no. Um, so the next one, I, I drove down to Wolverhampton. I told my family and everybody else um, that I was I was leaving, and it was to be honest, it was for. A considerable a lot less than what I was offered at Celtic, but it was a principle. Um, I know it's people were like, well, why do you do that? I said, because it was the right thing to do. Um, and I think that's probably maybe stubbornness, you know what I mean? My life would have been a lot easier by, by taking that, but it would have been wrong. And mm. at that point, I didn't feel wanted anyway. I, you know, I felt with Gordon. Uh, and it, to, to, in fairness, it proved that that he wanted his own players in, he wanted his own people in. Which you know, with the players that Martin said to him, he kind of build your team around. I was first to leave. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Chris Sutton went. Then mm-hmm. Tomo. Mm-hmm. Then, then Stillian. And the only one that survived was was Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about the five. So you know, he ends up being part of his staff later on. He does go, but yeah. So. In my mind, you know, you look at things and go, was it this, was it money, was it there? But I generally think that he didn't strike in what his own people and You know, he paid one and a half million for Virgo from his pal at Brighton, um, for Mark McGee at Brighton. And 
We brought in uh, Kamara, left back. He brought in Telfer, who was what two year older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a lot more money than they offered me to stay, yeah. which I found out. So, but as I said, it's a man. It's a new manager. He wants his own people, and it's fine. You know that that that's it. It's fine. It's just how it was put across. And they said and Gordon had said we'd we'd reached an agreement, and I turned out and asked for more money, which was utter nonsense. Um, so I actually phoned him. Um, phoned him a few times before he picked up, and I said to him, "What's this? And you know that you're saying about it?" He says, "Oh, that's what I was told. You know that you agreed a deal, then you turn around and ask for more money." I said, "Well, we weren't even close to agreeing a deal." And he says, "Oh well, that's you know, you know, good luck to you. It's a great, great opportunity for you, fresh start, and you love it down there." I was just like, "You laugh too." <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's interesting. I think people where they focus on that the money grab aspect of it, that they didn't understand the wages you ended up taking, and also the fact that you were had Sydney was on about to be born. Um, well, it, was a, it was the third one. It was Evie. Evie Sorry, Sydney was one. Eh? It was a uh, young Evie. So I sang for Wills on the fourteenth, and Evie was born on the seventeenth. Aye. So no real desire to, to to leave Scotland or or Celtic Celtic, you know. But you uh, come, had you ever had a uh, like a desire to play in England previously, or that completely gone for yourself? Uh, I had one one spell. Um, it was after we played Liverpool in the first. My contract was coming up just mm-hmm. before, uh, just as John Barnes was there. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, after after uh, Doctor Joe, uh, cause Simon and Phil had left into Sheffield, and I my co- Oh, we seem to have lost out a wee bit there. Hold on, folks. I'll try and bring them back. Sorry, we're back, folks. Just carry on, Jackie. What were you saying? No, I did, I did a spell just, um, you know, when it was Dr. Joe before uh, John Barnes came in. I was coming out of contract and I was obviously looking at things then. Um, you know, and I was picked for the Scotland squad against England. Mm. And I was told that the Liverpool manager was going to be watching me because I was coming out of contract. And, I didn't play in the first leg at, at Hampton. You know, Craig Craig took me aside and said, "I'm going to keep you for Wembley." Then we got to Wembley midweek, and I wasn't even on the bench, <laughs> which was so. Uh, I had a few drinks that night. Um, I was a bit disappointed. Uh, and obviously, won one nil at Wembley, but you know, it, I was under the impression that uh, after he told me on the weekend before that I was going to be involved. Um, talking about drinks. One of the things you've told me in the past, which still um, defies belief to me, is party Bertie votes his preparation for Scotland games. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just tell people what that included? <clears throat> no, I think I think it's just a, a, a something that he done. I don't know if it, it was a, a total like a national thing, but it just it was the first game that there was a guy came in with a meeting later on, the night before the game and. Yeah, the the rat one of the drinks trolley come into the, the room with a the wee bits of uh, sort of cake or a, a, like one drink, maybe mm. a beer or a wine. I, I think it was his way of just sort of settling everybody down and wanting to get a good night's sleep. It wasn't like a a bevy session or a full on session. But for me, I, I, to be honest, I didn't take any because I wouldn't really. I don't see the point in having one one drink, uh, especially like before a game. To be honest, I mean. Yeah. Again, I've got to say this, but there's a perception as well. You're not really a big drinker at all, are you? No, I think, um, you know, every so often I'll have 
I'll have a, a drink or a blowout if you mm. like. But um, you're not sitting drinking the house or anything like that, or I never drink in the house. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that we we had a guy on Simon Donnelly, and he does drink in the house. He was telling us. Yeah. Um, but he talked about, and I know you've been saying, Paul, going to the World Cup and you in 1998 and you taunting him with a certain Brazil jersey. <laughs> um, do you want to tell that story? Or? Uh, it's with the first game, I think the two is what obviously were most disappointed not to, to, to get on the pitch. Um, I was especially, you know, I thought I had a good season there. Yeah. Uh, with Celtics helped stop the, the ten in a row and I was player of the year and they brought another players in front of me mm-hmm. when we were chasing, chasing the game I just but then the final whistle went and uh, you know the I went up into the, into the Brazilian dressing room to swap strips where I got Bebeto's mm-hmm. top um, and I went in there I was in the Brazilian dressing room swapping my top with Bebeto and then I went back into the Scotland dressing room and I was like, where's Sid? Where is he? Where's the other boys, our subs? <laughs> and Craig and Alex had seen that the Brazilian subs were doing running, mm-hmm. that they didn't play. So he thought, right, we'll get them. So obviously they, they grabbed all the subs, but, the, but I was already away, fortunately. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had my the battle top on and Sid comes in about 10 minutes later, sweating and blowing out his backside. And I was like, where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and I was just like, I'm getting, getting me, showing my mouth my bebetto top. And <laughs> so he had, uh, before, just as he'd come in the dressing room, I think he tried to swap strips away. Um, Danielson, who gave him a custard pie, and said no. Aye, aye, <laughs> so did, uh... we, roomed, we roomed together. And uh, if you remember the World Cup at the time, the song was Samba de Janeiro. Mm-hmm. You know, when the so I used to put that on every night just when he was coming to shower and put my bevetto top on just to wind him up. He's, I mean, listen, listeners might not realise, like, and they probably would be quite shocked at this, but Sid's not really a man to wind up like. <laughs> he can be quite um, defensive, shall we say. But uh, I know, Paul, you wanted to talk about the World Cup as well in, in 98. And... Uh, I, was, I was just going to ask, like, would, would that probably be the highlight of your Scotland career, being involved in that? I... Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, it was great to be involved in. Also, my family, my dad and my uncles, brothers, they were all there and mm-hmm. they were all in the, the Tartan Army. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad and used to travel all around, you know, uh, all the games. And the, I'd seen him after the... Uh, I didn't see him after the Brazil game, actually. A lot of the families come in, but they were off. They, were, they weren't really interested coming in to do the, the family bit. They were... Aye. They were. Uh, I seen them in Bordeaux after the game in Bordeaux when I came on uh, against Norway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last game I didn't, uh, which was a bit of a disaster match uh, uh, against Morocco in mm-hmm. St Etienne. But it was, to be honest, it was a great. It was great to be involved in it. And I always thought that I would get another campaign, another finals. Mm-hmm. You know, in my career, I was relatively young. I thought we get, you know. A Euros or another World Cup in my time, but uh, so, can I just ask as well then? Would that, in terms of highs, uh, what about lows? Would the England game be that that playoff not getting involved in that and and not going through to the tournament? Yeah, yeah I think that was a that was a real sore one, you know, because I, as much as I was really unhappy about not not uh, starting uh, up being on the bench at, at Hamden. When Skull scored the two goals, I thought, right, it's okay. He's, 
he's told me he's going to be playing on Wednesday. Obviously, I've told my family that. Sorry, I'll play on Wednesday. When I've done the team Wednesday at, in, at, at Wembley, I'm leaving on the bench. I'm just like, fuck. It's <laughs> 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 like, yeah, yeah, I wasn't happy. But you mentioned your, your father there, Jackie. Now, you know, quiet, reserved kind of guy. Um, he told me a story which was just a typical, I would say, McNamara family story, which was in one of the highlights of your career coming off the bench to score in the Scottish Cup final with the first goal for Celtic in 2001. That created an argument between him and his best pal, Ralph Callan, who used to play... Now, the backstory to this, Paul, is that they had run a bus for their pub in Musselburgh. They'd run the pub together to, 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 and to support Hibs, you know, the Hibs bus and all that kind of thing. And basically, Lugo Moravchik gets injured, although Jackie, I think, will say it was a tactical move by Celtic to bring him on. <laughs> and Jackie was within... How long were you on the pitch before you actually scored the goal? Uh, not sure. Didn't, didn't feel very uh, long. A minute or two. <laughs> Uh, scores the opening goal and then Ralph Callahan jumps up in the middle of the Hibs end and says to Jackie Senior for fuck's sake it had to be fucking him didn't it and he's saying fucking Sidun you and the next thing they're ready to kill each other Ken um, but that I mean what I wanted to ask you about that was the first five years of your career you've come from Dunfermline to Celtic there was a lot of upheaval at Celtic at the time and, um, you know, different managers. You obviously played under Tommy, under Vim, under Dr Joe, under John Barnes, which is incredible. What was it like then to transform into the kind of Martin O'Neill era, knowing that initially Martin didn't really play you to begin with? What was it like making that transformation? Uh, I, again, I think it's, it's, it happens every every new manager. Martin... I actually wasn't his plans to start. Mm. You know, I played in all the games when he first came in. I was quite heavily involved and mm. I thought I'd done reasonably well. Played in the 6-2 game. And, you know, um, I got injured away with Scotland, mm. away in San Marino. I'd done my ankle and I missed, I came back and I missed the, the, the game on the Saturday, which was at home to St Mirren. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he played Didier Gart, the wing-back that day. Yeah. I was sitting watching it and, you know, and I thought, right, I'm no, you know, the fans took to him and mm-hmm. the, the way Martin set his team up, you know, the, they wanted that pace and obviously I didn't have Didi's pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, in fairness, he'd done really well, you know, and I had to sort of bide my time and try and find uh, another position, mm-hmm. which which I did. You know, I'd, I'd been in to see him quite a few times uh, over, a, over a long period. I may add but about leaving about mm. going to, going to play week in, week out. And uh, and he just said I was part of his plans, I wasn't going anywhere and uh I wanted me to stay. Mm-hmm. And so I mean it was worth it in the end, you know, because yeah. I turned round and ended up being his, his captain for that last sort of two seasons and had some great memories. Well that's what I was just gonna say. I mean we we had you know, we had obviously stopped ten in a row, um and we'd won the League Cup at Ibrox, but we never you know, we still nothing really else happening but then all of a sudden within a year or a bit we're going toe-to-toe with people like Juventus and you know should have probably got at least a point in, in the Stadio del Alpe and all that What? why did that happen? is it just because we're buying better players or was Martin able to kind of produce this winning mentality that spread through the club? I think both mm-hmm. I think um, you know I think both I think he he was 
he wasn't, as I said, I keep said that numerous times, he wasn't a, a training ground manager. He wasn't impressed what you done in training. Mm-hmm. He was impressed what you done in matches. And as I said, then a lot of times, you know, maybe not, not come up to training. The training ground that was left to Robbo and Wally, who mm-hmm. for me were terrific, terrific guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I got on really well with them. I, I trained how I played. I mean, I, some boys didn't. You know, I think if, like Didi Agat, for instance, Didi wasn't a, wasn't great training, you know what I mean? You've probably heard that over the years. Aye. And if you watch Didi training, you would wouldn't think you'd be playing on the Saturday. Um, but on the Saturday, he came alive and mm-hmm. you know done his done his job. We, 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 in fairness, you get the opposite now. And I management myself, I'd always unbelievable in training. It comes to a game and they disappear Aye. Um, Aye. and bottle it. So you know you're, you're better you're better being. <laughs> Good in the games than you are in training. That's the secret. <laughs> I mean, the thing. I mean, obviously, these training people will recognise that it's very competitive in training. But could you just give us a wee insight into the the game that took place normally on a Friday between the first team and the younger boys and the kind of connotations around that? Well, I mean, I don't. I, I done it myself when I was managing. Just just uh, short, sharp little games. Uh, we'd done young v old. And Martin introduced a, a yellow jersey. So you, you used to come, if you know, in, in a normal week, uh, the gaffer would have been there Tuesday mm-hmm. and a Friday, the uh, day before the game. You know, they came out training, um, at least. Um, and he would referee it, you know, so start off with one touch and go to two touch and all in. And the, the losing team, you know, everybody had to pick somebody in the losing team to wear the yellow jersey for the following week. Mm-hmm. So it was character building. You know, you, if somebody made a mistake and it wouldn't touch and then went into two touch, somebody would like sort of would go, Oh, you know, uh, he's made an arm mistake, oh, you know <laughs> but, but it is it, it, it gives you that wee bit there and you can see guys like actually hiding away from the ball mm. at this point. You know what I mean? You can see wee bits unfolding and and uh, Steve Walford used to take the votes and uh, and it was like obviously private vote mm-hmm. you see them writing all the number their names down and everything and then a few of the younger boys used to vote for Lenny because of the reaction that Lenny would give <laughs> you know one of the times I voted for him and, and he's came round and he's like who'd you vote for you little I was like ah, I voted for Sutty yeah, Lenny he's like no you didn't and he's, he went round and counted like of these votes he went you couldn't have <laughs> I mean, because you got that reaction, and it was funny to see young younger ones would, you know what I mean? They would mm-hmm. they jump on it, but in fairness, most of the time we battered the younger ones anyway. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It was not very often they were on the losing side. Did it ever do the younger boys sort of getting a bit over uh, overzealous and then bad tackles or anything like that? Oh, aye, it was. You know, it could be. It was pretty pretty serious stuff. Aye, you, you know what I mean? It was. Could you see younger guys prove themselves? <laughs> we had obviously at that time it was like the John Kennedys, we Sean Maloney, McGeady's, you know Craig Beatty and uh, McManus, mm-hmm. you know, and we got some tackles flying in. But as I say, more often than not, the, the younger ones were on the losing side. There's one before we start talking about your management and stuff around that. There's one thing, you know, a recurring thing that I wanted to ask was, you're still obviously good friends with Henrik Larson. Can you just give us an insight in the type of professional he was and what he actually did for Celtic, you know, as a player? Well, he's undoubtedly the, the best player that I've played with. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's I played. I've been fortunate enough in my 
10 years at Celtic with unbelievable players starting there, all the Van Gogh donks, Andy Tom's, McStay, McStay was unbelievable. Aye. Aye. But Henrik Lubo, Lubo was obviously mm-hmm. a close second, um, but he was he just got better. I think that's you know the, the way of putting it, he got better and better each year. Uh, it was there, just that all round. Obviously, most of the fans see him just in, uh, uh, on a pitch on mm-hmm. the in the match, but we see him every day mm-hmm. in training. The goals he scored in training, and a lot of his goals, if you like that look there, just a, he gets across him early, but he's just such a a knack of his movement was just so difficult to play against. Um, but it was a joy joy to be in the same team as him. With one goal I wanted to focus on, and I just wondered if you if you could remember exactly what's the it was a three 0 game at Ibrox when you played them through for the fiftieth goal. Yeah. Ordinary strikers wouldn't have scored that goal. I don't think. Is that in your mind that you think he could actually score a goal for you when you're passing him the ball? You're, well, you're thinking at that point there that he's if he's not scoring, he's setting somebody else up. You know that's that's what he would have done. He's all, there's always an end product with him, um, or he's asking the question of the goalkeeper. Uh, you know the angle that he scored that, and you know uh, it was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Don Maloney was coming into the back state area as well. Maybe if it if it if it's you know pulled back, he maybe been putting it in. But it was it was a incredible finish for his fiftieth goal of the season, which is mental. Considering what you know obviously happened in Leon the previous season, to then come in and do that was just mind I think his, his biggest thing for the team, he was a team player. He worked his mm. backside off for the team, you know, and it wasn't just the goals. You know, it could make um, uh, poor balls look better with mm. his movement, and then you know, make something happen, or at least ask the questions of defenders. Mm. You know, and I, I think that was, you know, the goals are were really important and phenomenal, but it was his all round game that was was top notch. Well, just remind me actually about the team playing before we come into the management thing. I think personally, the best game. You played for Celtic, and I've said this to you before. Obviously, was the one 0 game at Ibrox when you played in a back three with Sutty and Stan Varga. I felt that the Celtic cleared an obstacle. We went to Ibrox, depleted in numbers, and we won and we overtook them in the league. But what is it like when you're looking at you've got Chris Sutton besides he's a centre half, and, and Stan Varga is obviously a good player, not? But I mean, what are you thinking? Do you think you need to guide him through the game? Or is he just good enough to do it himself? Nah, he was good enough. He was intelligent. I know it comes across there as a kind of a, a, a you know a bit of a, a joker and stuff mm. there, wind up merchant, yeah. which he is, which, which he totally is. Mm-hmm. But he is intelligent, sort of intelligent guy. And I think whatever position he played, um, he just he knew what he had to do that day. You know, we we knew. Um, and I think that's there when people talk about tactics and different things. There, I know the games change so much now you need to kind of hold them by the hand and walk through every every possible scenario mm-hmm. but then it, but, but that then it wasn't you know he didn't aye, aye. we didn't walk through stuff we didn't have the set up and we all knew our jobs and there were all, no stone left unturned mm-hmm. you know it's all the usual nonsense that you get now mm-hmm. um, you know we just get the players that knew knew how to perform even in different positions, even when that move positions, you know, mm-hmm. to centre half, to left centre half, to centre midfield. Um 
he knew that you could play it and he put you in there. Okay, well, one of the questions Paul and I asked uh, Simon a couple of weeks ago was that you have had experience going into clubs as a manager where previous people from previous regimes have been there. Do you think that works? No. <laughs> I mean, it's completely no. up to you whether you want to talk about anything, name names, whatever. But I know uh -huh. at least three situations. I know, for example, you went to York City and you had a player in there who was a bad apple, example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you can have that at most clubs. I mean, management has has got has got uh, you know tougher over the years because you see even the best managers now, you know the uh, the Mourinho's and everything else. You know, they have a bad month, have a bad spell now. The power has mm -hmm. just totally transformed away from the management side um, because. They say you come a bad month and suddenly the speculation is like they're going to change the manager. The power, the power goes. Whereas growing up and then going all the way through my career, the management, the manager was always the most powerful at the club. Um, so what you know, you're saying is that players can basically say to you, "Well, I think you're going to be leaving," so I couldn't give a toss what you say. Well, they can think it. I never say They can think it, and it's. And it's, in fairness, it's true now. You know mm. what I mean? It is true. Uh, no matter who the manager is, or, um, you know, they, they have that power. They have that power now because the result, it's results business now. Total results and um, the, the money the money side of it then just went astronomical as well. You know, and that's that creates problems. One of the things I wanted to talk about you coming as well, Paul, um because I think this really does need cleared up, is the your whole sort of scenario at Dun United. Could you just give people an insight into what you actually went into when you first took over the job as Dun United manager, the situation that you were to take up on, basically? Yeah, well, the, um, when I went for the job, obviously the, the club had uh, debt that they had to get rid of, which I think at the time was just under £7 million. Mm -hmm. And my remit was obviously to uh, cut the budget. You know, Peter Houston had resigned mm -hmm. um, as a manager, and he said he couldn't obviously live with the budget cuts that were were getting forced on in the club. And he said the, the kids weren't ready in the academy, mm -hmm. which which I agreed with. They weren't uh, they weren't ready at the time. You know, the but we went in there. And my remit was to try and get rid of that debt in five years, a five-year plan, mm -hmm. um, which we actually done it in two and a half. Mm -hmm. But we lost some real talent on the way um, of doing that. And it was my third, my third team I had to rebuild in two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So my first, my first, my first thing in the end of January, um, we had to take the budget down by just under half a million. Uh, and for the summer, and we lost Johnny Russell to Derby. Mm -hmm. John Daly went to Rangers. Uh, Willow Flood went to Aberdeen, and Barry Douglas went to Poland. Mm -hmm. So that was a, obviously a lot of goals. It was thirty odd goals out the team with the two, with with no money to replace them. So I managed. I got Nadir Chifsey and then trial through one of my old teammates, Pierre Van Hoydonk, yes. asking for this boy had real issues, uh, you know, but he's got a talent and I think you could manage him. Uh, we took Andy Robertson, who I'd seen, who I was, I'd targeted for when I was at Partick Thistle, we take him there. 
Uh, watched him when he was at Queen's Park and uh, liked him. So we got him, and I took him and young Aidan Conley to mm. Queen's Park and gave them, I think it was five grand. Um, and I brought in one or two other players that were free agents that I worked with, Paul Payton, mm. uh, Chris Erskine. Uh, Brian Graham came in in a free as well from Wraith Rovers. So, yeah, it's a bit, it took a bit of time to get that team, you know, playing the way I wanted to play and the energy. And as, as the season went on, we didn't start the first game. We'd lost, we drew the first game in the new season uh, away at Partick Thistle. Uh, the second game we lost at home to Inverness. Obviously, at that point, people were shouting for, shouting for my head. Mm-hmm. Um it did take a bit of time the turning point there and got the players up to speed and we managed to sort of kick on you know we, we kind of brought a few records scoring four or more goals and yeah. I, I think that was probably the the one time in my managerial career that I actually really looked forward to a Saturday mm-hmm. you know to, to, to see what we were going to produce and exciting I was excited to see them play I mean that was at the point where they had the famous victory against Celtic as well um, in December which to be honest I still say we were robbed that day a goal chopped off for absolute fuck all like. but Paul I know you wanted to talk about this is a point where you like to see your Ryan Gold and John Suter come in Paul and you know this is well I'll let you talk Hi I was um, quite interested to see like yeah, it was some talent kicking about at that point like as you say like, guys like Johnny Russell and that as well they've all went on to have good careers and like oh, but Robertson's obviously kicked on the most the goals day and brilliant. Like, who who did you think was like the the most talented that you were working with at that point? Um, the most talented would probably be it was a, a tight one. Uh, I thought Shifty had it all. Uh, Armstrong, I thought Armstrong could go all the way to the top. Um, and young Wee Goldie was probably the the most gifted in terms of vision and. Uh, awareness it's you know you, you see the size of them there but I love watching them you know, sometimes you, you're kind of wanting to shake him a wee bit you know because he's that sort of laid back and uh, but it's just that just stuff that you you can see stuff, stuff you can't coach mm-hmm. you know I mean you're looking at players how can you make players better how can you see them or Robertson um, had, you know he the, the desire seen a lot of stuff in Andy that I've seen it myself, just the desire there and training every day and on it and bombing forward and want to do well, want to win. Uh, and that's why he's reached the levels that he's got, mm-hmm. pure and simply. Um, Stuart's, you know, he's, he's done well. Uh, he moves to Celtic then to to um, Southampton mm-hmm. and he seems to be hitting the, hitting the grounds now. You know, he, he, you know, really graceful player, intelligent the baby bits there that he was sort of uh, lacking was the you know tracking runners and the du- ugly mm. bit which is quite easy to turn around um, <laughs> even Mackay Stephen as well was, was we kind of moved I moved him from a, a left winger to right of a three that he would rather he'd score goals and you know do the guys getaways and stuff like that you know the most important bit was putting the ball in the net mm-hmm. so we moved him Moved him different positions, trying to get him on the ball so he couldn't get marked out of the game. Um, and in fairness, he done really well. You know, well, I've well, just said, Jackie Paul actually thinks that Gary Mackay Stevens is Scottish Gareth Bale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, well, I'm, I'm a Harps fan, but like mm-hmm. he start he started no great for us at all. Yeah. I don't know if it was 
lack of pre-season coming to America or just confidence or whatever, or maybe not having the fans to play off. But he's finished the season absolutely brilliantly and it's, it's probably a horrible time for him for it to end. But I, I think you've seen before, Jackie, he's a big confidence player. Gary, okay, Stephen. I mean, I think, I definitely, I think he was, again, growing up, he was, you know, like... When I came into United, he was playing left wing, and like mm. so it's a four-four-two, and it's there. And, it, and I, I always felt that, you know, I remember saying to him, like, "I'm forty-year-old now. I could mark out the game. <laughs> I could, I could have, you know, because he, I wouldn't have let him get turned at me or I kept him on him. You know, it was trying to get him on that he can actually hurt teams. You see that he scored the other week there against Wraith Rovers, coming in, darting in, just making that run. Mm. That that's without the ball." And it's mm-hmm. a simple bit, and he has pace, you know, and, he, and he's actually a really good finisher, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you know, he's trying to recreate the moment, just that there, keep yourself on the side. As a defender, I would rather play against him in a four-four-two up against him, man marking him, rather him running freely in behind me, which you don't want. I think it's maybe like it shows the faith that managers have in players as well, like. He was playing through a bad spell and all the Hearts fans were like, why, why is he involved? And Nielsen was getting stick at the time anyway. And he, he really stuck with him and all of a sudden he's, he's sparked in his life. So it shows you sometimes, and I'm one of them, that fans having to go to the manager <laughs> didn't always know what they're talking about. But I mean, obviously yeah. you, were, you, you um, took down United two cup finals as well. Um, yeah. The first one against St Johnston, I still don't know how you managed to lose that game. Considering the players and the chances, and you know, it was just one of the. I think at the time you said it was like the the fine margins here with their post and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I would, in fairness, we didn't play as well as we can. Mm. You know, that was a, the frustrating bit for from our side. And as much as we didn't play well, St Johnston never gave us a chance to. You know, they've gone about us, mm. and on the day they were they were on it. You know, they they got the goal just before half time, and they're always they were a bit of a bogey team for us that season. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Dow had inside the post in the first half at Andy Robertson's cross and it went right, up, right along the line mm-hmm. and in the second half Nadir hit the other side of the bar and it bounced and the keeper sat on it you know so the wee bits it is fine margin but in fairness the, the, the levels that we got to that season mm-hmm. you know we, we didn't play anywhere near our capabilities and you know as I said it wasn't it wasn't our day uh, our final if you like was, was probably the the game at Ibrooks against Rangers beating them in well, the semi. Well, I was going to say that pleased plenty of people anyway, so you always had that. Um, was it that season, the cup final against St Johnston, where you had your wee tete-a-tete with Tommy Wright, who accused you um, thinking your team was Brazil? No, that was that was early. It was that season, it was early on in the season. Early on in the season, aye. Uh, um, the two of, us, two of us got sent off. <laughs> um, it just, obviously I wasn't happy about we lost one now and mm. I wasn't happy about a challenge on we Goldie, mm-hmm. you know, and and we kind of just kicked off of there. But uh, two of us, you know, just with, you know, like you do, a few unpleasantries back and forth. But it was fine. Just no, just different for me, Tommy, and no issues with him. Mm-hmm. And then, and so okay. to, to round up your Don United back, can you just kind of give your how you saw the set, the, the sales of Mackay Stephen and Armstrong to Celtic? How how they got sold? Aye, well, you know what was your side of the story basically? Obviously, the, the the two of them it was the last bits of the window. The um, uh, Mackay Stephen had already signed a pre contract with Celtic, mm. 
and actually bring him on like I think the week before and the fans booed and I brought him on because mm-hmm. they didn't want him to play um, but uh, the two of them left the last bits of the window mm-hmm. Gaz had already signed a pre-contract with Celtic and Stu went last minute mm-hmm. which kind of left us in the, the lurch a wee bit we're trying to get a replacement uh, I was trying to get Scott Allen at the time mm-hmm. uh, as a replacement to try and cover that gap if you like and uh, didn't work Hibs wouldn't sell him um, but uh, it, was, it was difficult because you know at that point we had to play Celtic in the League Cup final mm. and they've got many Scottish Cup mm-hmm. right? we put, put them four games in a row they put so, anybody else aye. and it was just it was tough it was tough it was tough for for the players and, and for us it's, it's the management side you know um, Gaz was, was out of contract anyway Stu in fairness to Stuart um you know, him and his dad, he would have been out of contract as, as well, at the same time as, as Gary McKay Stephen, but mm. his dad wanted him to play a one, one more season at United. You know, the, he wanted to get more games before he, he moved. We all knew he was going to move on. And that's the thing, you, you know they're all going to move on because mm. they've got that ability. No matter what they are, they're going to go to bigger things. They can't stay there all, their whole career. Um, every, every club has their own uh, problems with that. You know, Celtic's got it. With Van Dykes and it's, mm. it's just it's getting the right moment to, mm. to sell them and make sure you use it wisely and, and, and spend that you know all the players we spoke about there were never going to have their whole careers at Dundee United uh, because they're too good mm. it's the same when they go to Celtic you know what I mean it's, mm. they want to then you can't stop them but it's making sure you do it at the right times and you've got a plan and a backup to that and that was a difficulty we didn't, we didn't have the cover we didn't have the backup to fill that that gap, you know the ones that were still there. You're hoping we're going to kick on and do mm. well and, and make sure you don't miss them. Mm. But uh, it proved too much. Even in the summer, you know, you fast forward six months and we lost Nadia. Mm. So that was my front three within six months, um, which is hard hard to then grow it quickly and replace them really quickly. I think as well, especially when there's this perception that you're almost feeding <coughs> Celtic for your own yeah. agenda rather than just having yeah. any real you know wait stop them leaving basically well as a manager you don't you said you don't um, first of all you can't get clubs to come and buy your players mm-hmm. <laughs> and spending millions of pounds two you don't have to say uh, to sell them you know from my side it would have been I'd rather selfishly kept them all, all of them Andy Goldie you know, mm. and then enhance my own career as a manager, and you know because it, it's a big Celtic in December before they went with, uh, with Ronnie and John Collins, and they're in my office after it, and, and then they were asking me about them. Now, Ronnie never spoke much, mm. uh, you know. I think he was a bit shocked with the result, but John was asking about their characters. But I would say at that point, obviously they were on their, on their radar to try and mm-hmm. uh, take, take away from us. Um, because they were, they were good players, top talents. Um, for one reason or another, the biggest surprise to me is that Nadir never really kicked on at Celtic because, you know, how can you do that? What he done for us at, at Dundee United, mm-hmm. but not go on because he had all the attributes and he would have more chances, more opportunities there to score. And how he's not, he never done it at Celtic, but he needed managed, he needed loved. And you know, I was watching bits of about Cantona. Mm-hmm. different times there and players are a wee bit different you know they need that extra 
bit from their manager. Aye, I mean, it was just um, talking about the, the management thing. You obviously then uh, went to York City. I was doing a, a couple of two times myself. That's probably for other days' stories. But what what kind of culture shock did you walk into at York City compared to what you experienced in the past? Aye, different. It was, it was different. I think um, even the standard, the standard was different. Mm. Uh, it's not just this player, but, you know, it's... I always had uh, confidence in what, what we'd done, how we'd done things. But it was, to be honest, I don't think anybody could have went in there and, and done anything without clearing it all and without spending a lot of money to bring players in and, and survived. You know, we tried to make do the best we can. Would I, would, how do you think would have would I change anything? No, because Jason, who's the, the mm. chairman, is one of my best friends. and. Yeah. Through adversity and everything else, you know, football isn't always great. I've been mm. fortunate in my career with good things, and we both knew what we were trying to do, what we'd done at Thistle, what we'd done at United. Um, and even though it didn't work, you know, we knew it, it was the right thing to try and do rather than just yeah. throw money at it like what you'd done before. I mean, Sid said on this podcast a couple of weeks ago that one of the things that he felt that held his back was your inability to be able to tap into your normal contacts. They could have came to the SPFL, but maybe yeah. they have come to a club like York City in the lower leagues, you know. Yeah, and it was, it was a different kind of football as well. Mm. You know, even for us, it was a, you know, the balls long throw-ins for halfway. Like it was different. You're, you're trying to teach, you try to um, make players better and play us. You know, I, I was, in fairness, personally, you know, I look back and I think, right, was it my fault because I like to play football a certain way? You know, back to an argument with Tommy Wright and stuff like that. You know, about what you want to watch as a fan or mm. as a coach or a manager. Why do you train every day to play passes and do passing drills to go and put the ball in the corner yeah. and win a and win a throw in? You know, for me that wasn't going to change the football club. It wasn't going to change there. I didn't really want to go and watch my team doing that. Um, and that's basically. You know, something I look at and go, do you know what, maybe it wasn't for me. Maybe because it's, I want to see football played a certain mm. way and a certain way I've been brought up with my time done film and then Tommy Burns playing the football a certain type of way and good mm. players and attacking. And I couldn't, you know, United, I had it for a spell. I really I, I had it. Um, but it was obviously taken away with the first group going and then the second group going. And then you're trying to do it again um, without any real money or help with it. I mean, I think as well, like the, and I've, I said this to you at the time. I think there's a perception of you know dismissal towards Scottish football for a lot of English football supporters, no matter what you've done there. Yeah. Um. You know, I was doing there a few times. We've seen the ground, seen the training ground, met Jason McGill a few times. I didn't think the fans ever had any idea how much you and him were working behind the scenes all day, every day, to try and make it right for for York City. Um. But. I suppose a question, and Paul, come in, please. Um, has that soured you for management forever? Uh, I'd never say forever, but it did. I mean, it's again. I think what's what's happened in my life. It's it's all about enjoyment. Mm. I think you've got to enjoy it. You know, if I could get back to that, but before it, I did at United, mm. and and in fairness, at Thistle as well. It took me a bit of time at Thistle. You know, they they were. When I took over for Ian McCall that, mm. that summer, um, the cuts that they'd done, and that's mm. probably 
obviously why I got the job at United, living with the cuts, living with the, and we give so many kids an opportunity, because um, we're on, we're full time at, at Partick Thistle, but they're on part time wages, and the boys get 150 quid a week full time, yeah. you know, but you're trying to sell them uh, an opportunity at playing, you know, championships, first division football to get in the Premier League to make them better, so we took boys from Hearts that were released for Hearts, Valentoni, mm-hmm. Hibs Welsh, new boy Sean Welsh, Motherwell to uh, Ross Forbes and Stephen Wallace. Uh, so it was right throughout the team. Boys like uh, you know some just that extra chance, that something to prove. Stephen O'Donnell was really for Celtic. He was an international football player. I took boys for university. I played in the Premier League. So, but we had to do that. We had to try and grow it and get the energy and pace and. Uh, enthusiasm and that youthfulness into the team along with some good experienced pros uh, and we've done it that's so we turned it all around um, and we went a bit before I left to go to United and we've done it at United a few times you know that first transitional period in six months of losing yeah. the players and doing it again but nobody you know United fans there if you ask them what's the best sort of football we've seen I'd be surprised if we said it wasn't in their you know, in the last sort of decade would be the, our football that we got but that wasn't there before we got there you know we created that we created that at United um, the kids weren't ready there you know Gold and Souter uh, were young kids and you forget how young they were mm-hmm. uh, but we went to integrate them into the first team and tried to nurture them through certain bits and they were tricky bringing in other lads into that from like I said Robertson for amateur football and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed mm-hmm. that wee bit in the year. The project was a project. Um, but it became impossible in the end with when my contract got leaked. You know, after the I was kind of thrown under the bus. Uh, and the perception at that point yeah. was very difficult. And the regrets that I have personally, you know, I had my time again. I, I should have walked myself. I should have just walked out. Um, you know, that, that's what I should have done. Uh, but I didn't, I had, again, I had the belief and there people there that have jobs, my staff, the yeah. players. I thought, right, I'll go and do it again. I'll go and do my third team, which it was, in, in a short space of time. I mean, there's a few things I want to pick out there for Patrick Fissel. Before, um, I remember you saying at the time O'Donnell would play for Scotland when you brought him. Um, one of the things I became aware of when you were at Patrick Fissel, I couldn't believe, and I don't know if this is common or no, maybe you can tell us, you were paying for a lot of the stuff yourself in terms of the players' recovery and that. I had bought some stuff. I mean, as I said, the, some of the boys were 150 quid a week. So, mm. you know, even, even the, I see the wee guy now doing the, the stuff now. He's like a the wee kind of funny guy, uh, Jester, uh, mm. Slane, Slaney. Mm-hmm. I got him in loan from, from Celtic and he came in and they said he was fit. In the first training session, I mean, he's not fit, he's breathing out his backside, you know, he was miles off it. He had pace, the kid had pace, obviously had issues, and had, um, had this life coach came in, uh, we came in and she'd do all this stuff with the players and look at their diets and things like that, mm. and uh, his diet was basically, it was just sugar. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... You know, Powerades for breakfast and Haribo's for his dinner. And I was like, there was no surprise. Like, two days later, he had, had to give it some, like, six teeth out and missed the case. But, you know, but he, was, he, was, he wasn't fit, you know, uh, kind of real issues. But we tried to help 
you know, with players, we got them health shakes and different things with their diet. And because it, my first full season, they'd do well on the Saturday and it got the Tuesday, they'd disappear. They, they weren't recovering properly. And was trying to get, you know, is it to do the psychology or is it recovery? What the, and in fairness, you know, they weren't getting much money, so they weren't going to be feeding themselves the best, mm-hmm. be whatever they can afford. And so I had that, and I had a awareness coach that I brought in, he used to come and stay with me uh, through in Edinburgh, and I used to pay him myself, um, you know, now and again to, to come in and just help the players' awareness mm-hmm. drills. And I seen a real benefit of that, you know, he started uh, getting the vision there and doing things quicker, and they two or three seconds quicker. Especially at that level made a, a big difference. Um, before I wrap things up, Paul, you want to come in there now? I, I was going to ask you, you were saying um, never say never going back to management and stuff, but you also said that you want to play the, the game a, a certain way. Do you think that kind of hampers opportunities that you'll know, you'll know sort of yeah. ch- change your philosophy? Yeah, I mean, I did, I did change it a little bit, so you know what I mean? You, you put in for certain bits and you've got to prepare, um, you know, for... It's like when you, obviously when you're watching the Celtic games this season. It's like the information what you're giving the players, uh, along with knowing their jobs. But then the key information you give them before the games is set pieces. You know that's, that's ultimately what's cost Celtic mostly this season in the sort of bigger games. If you like in Europe, band and Rangers, not in the post. Then if somebody done their jobs or somebody taking that responsibility away, whether it be a zonal marking or something else. But the rest, of it, I liked. You know, have a structure to my team, but also have a freedom for movement. You know, and I think now it's it's went so far the other way that you're, you're turning guys into robots rather than. I mean, when, when do we see anybody taking anybody on now? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, or just running out of position to go in behind or try something? It's like looking around. It's like it's, PlayStation. It's you, 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 they lose that that um, intuition that they grew up with what they've been taught, what they learn in the, in the parks. And, and I think it's a kind of, you know, everybody wants to play a certain way. They all watch it. It's all, even the, the other game, the other night, Arsenal's got a chance to get to the final. They're more interested in possession than actually mm-hmm. the ball needs to go in the net. Mm-hmm. You know, it's finding, then football is problem solving. You know, how, how can we score goals? How can we win the match? How can they? But it's, um, I do like to see it played a certain way. Uh, in fact, even the United, we were we were top of the league. And it was obviously early on in the season, and we won one 0 at home. And I met up with Walter Smith at the uh, LMA meeting mm-hmm. in, uh, at St Andrews, and and he said, "I was reading your comments, uh, Jackie, about the, your your team. You, know, you weren't happy with the performance against Ross County. We won one 0 I said, "No, I wasn't." He said, "It's about the results." You know, it's not about the performance all the time or how they're playing. It's the results, and he's, you know, and he's right. You know, because it's results. Aye. It's, I, I, know, I agree with that. But, but, things, but, but I mean, and yeah. that's I'm going. Well, that's no. F- I know, but I'm watching them every day, and I want to see them try things. I want to, mm. I want to look forward to, rather than just. And then I went into management. I didn't want to survive in it. Aye. Mm. And that I think that's the biggest thing. The same with football. When I went into it as a captain. You don't want to survive and just, I want to be in football for 10 years, I want to be a manager for 10 years. You know what I mean? I wanted to go on here because I wanted to help and obviously enjoy it and make a difference. And survival, unfortunately, is what it's became. It's about survival now. You know, it's 
surviving how long the managers can survive in the job mm. or if we can get to the top six each year it's going to be a miracle yeah, it's, yeah, you know yeah. it, that's it's the same stuff every year and it's and then you obviously need to be a very good politician now when you're dealing yeah. with everything else and tell you that you're watching a different game aye, <laughs> aye, aye, fans will agree with that it was also nice to hear Walter Smith sum up, Walter Smith sum up the Ibrox mentality there just uh, one bit of criticism from me, Jackie, and I'm going to take you back here 18 years. Celtic have scored five goals in European finals, okay? Mm-hmm. Three of them were scored by strikers two Henrik, one Stevie Chalmers. The other two were scored by a fullback. So, what were you playing at in Seville? Uh... I know you would come off the bench, but still. I was in. I was brought on to uh, man Mark Deco. Aye. So no, Martin asked, if Martin said to me, go on and try and score a goal, then that would have been a different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then, uh, then, then Bobo got sent off, and then, and then I went back into the back four. That was probably, and I know we're not really going into massive graphic detail here, but when Bobo got sent off, that's probably the worst moment in my life. Because, yeah. and I'm not going to ask you to describe your feelings or anything like that, but it was just when, you know, when a dream dies, you know. Uh, okay, a couple of things to wrap up. First of all, uh, Raffaello uh, sent us a tweet in just to say that he came to support you in a game, Scotland v Island, and he was too drunk and never got in. But then also realised you weren't playing, you were actually injured. So he just wanted you to know that. A call no, I, was, I was actually not picked. Not picked. Oh, well, there you go. See, there's always yeah. an agenda against you here. Yeah, uh, I wasn't happy with that. Colin yeah. Brown played with you at Dunfermline as a young boy, nicknamed Shyness. Um, yeah. Which probably means you're harder to remember, I think. <laughs> He's a pretty shy guy, like, you know. Um, couple, Two more things. Simon Donnelly. What do you think of him? <laughs> he's alright. He is, he's alright. He's not great, he's alright. I, yeah. I, I, I don't think he's ever got over me nicknaming you the Godfather. <laughs> I truthfully think that he still has a persecution complex about that and he's never let me forget it, basically. Final thing. You're you're a talented football player, talented manager, talented mentor, agent. You're also a talented singer. No, I'm not. Well can you just give the listeners a brief insight into the song and circumstance you sung in Lisbon in nineteen ninety eight? Uh, yeah, it was again after we won the league and stopped the ten, mm-hmm. uh, and partying for a few days. I was, I was missing the game in Sporting Lisbon for the George Cadet before mm-hmm. the hour there the next day, and I'm, I'm not a very good flyer, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't even remember getting on the flight. That's how <laughs> much I was celebrating. And then uh, we got over there, we went out in this place down at the the port in Lisbon and uh, I got up and sang the karaoke uh, and I think it was just out at the time and you hear it over the years now Free From Desire mm-hmm. uh, in fairness I thought it was really well, good <laughs> I'm interested to know why but you maybe because it was a, a room full of Portuguese people and probably didn't know what I was saying uh, what was your thought can you remember what your thought process was in picking that song no, it was just I, I liked it at the time. It was just came out three mm. nine, uh, well, and it was, to be fair, the place was jumping. Well, the uh, thing is, I mean, 
I actually done a wee bit research into the song, right? Because I knew you'd say this. There's no lot of words in it. It's just no, like na 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 na, like over and over again. <laughs> so maybe that was the the, the kind of uh, mouth correlation with the words. Uh, Sometimes that don't get the words wrong. Yeah, I nailed it. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll thank Jackie for his time. Uh, it's been great. We could have been chatting all day, but um, he'd probably text me and Just go back to, sorry, Paul, just going back to the, the shyness one. Mm-hmm. The guy was called shyness not because he was shy, because he was complete opposite. Ah, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? See when a young kid comes in and, mm-hmm. and they're like over, you know, you're a good guy, very good, but in a nice way, not in a bad way, you know what I mean? But that just. Actually, sounds a bit like what, how. Sid described Paulo De Canio coming into Celtic. Yeah. Day one, he was all about everybody. Aye. So that, for the wee lad, uh, Colin, that came in, the uh, shyness was a, a sar- sarcastic... Ah, uh, well, I, I tell you, it reminded me, right, and we'll finish now, um, Graham Sharp of Everton, etc., told me that the, the best nickname I've ever heard in football, right, was for Pat Nevin when he was at Everton, and his nickname was Dampness. Because he, he was hated by everybody, basically. Yeah. So, but my, my nickname was Toy. Well, you had Toy. You've also had Wee Mo. Yeah. And yeah. you also had one from your Aberdeen time. I've had a few different clubs that I probably can't mention on here. Mm. Uh, York fans have a few nicknames from me, know. Um, we've told the wee Mo story because we obviously asked you it before, and it's, it's still one of the ones where you could only happen in Scotland that kind of thing that would stick. Uh, that. But, uh, yeah. but I guess the last question would be: what, what's what next? Uh, I believe you're thinking about moving back up the road. Uh, I have a lot to lot to think about. I mean, we enjoy it down here. My wife loves it uh, mm. in this part, and obviously, my two of my kids are in Scotland now. Mm. My son's at. He's school and he's in Hibs Academy, mm-hmm. and my daughter's uh, living in Glasgow. So uh, again, just whatever I do next is what I enjoy it. Uh, well, crack I, I didn't. I never like to talk behind anybody's back. So I'm going to say the same thing I said to said about you: is you're a lucky bastard, right? You really are. And even yeah. you know, you know that people need to understand how ill Jackie was, and there were times where people were close to him. We knew that he was fighting for his life, and here he is, you know, over a year just sitting here. He'll probably end up president of the SFA or something. Okay, what I mean, that's a kind of that's not a that's not a lucky job. That's a <laughs> that's a thankless task. Okay, well, we'll finish up there. Thanks, Jackie, for his time, and we will see you all soon. <laughs> got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no power, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no fame, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. One more and more, people just want more and more freedom and love. What he's looking for, one more and more, people just want more and more freedom and love. What he's looking for.
Thank you. 